Welcome to the Real Education Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bowles, and on this show, I interview remarkable people who think way outside the box in education. To listen to more episodes, learn more about my guests, or become a patron of this ad and sponsor-free show, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. You can also email me at yours truly at blakebowles.com. Now, on to the show. My guest today is Evo Dagan, co-founder of Nomad Spain, an informal education program for young people who want to make a positive difference in the world. Evo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, first of all, tell us what does the word nomad mean? K N O W M A D. It's a it's a term coined by uh, a U.S. American researcher, actually John Moravec. Um, the idea is the, it's a nomadic knowledge worker. So as we know, um, work isn't a, workers are more able to move around the world freely um, nowadays because we can do a lot of our work digitally. I mean, Blake knows that well. Um, so basically the, the idea is that these workers are, are people who don't identify so much anymore with one company maybe or with one place where they work. Um, they are nomadic, so they work in in a project for a while. Uh, as long as they are learning and as long as they are bringing value, they stay there. And once they are done, um, either not learning anymore or not not bringing anything anymore, they move on to the next project. So they are nomadic knowledge workers. And you are starting a program called Nomads Spain, and this is based upon a program in the Netherlands called Nomads. And can you tell us a little bit about what Nomads was all about, where it began, what its roots are? Mm-hmm. Um, the Nomad School, where I, where I graduated, where I come from and that I'm starting, does not actually come from the same roots as, as uh, John Moravec's uh, term. So the, the history is, is it goes, goes back a bit further. It comes from a school called Chaos Pilots in, in Denmark, in Aarhus. Um, which exists for I think somewhere around 20-30 years um, and has been founded to to educate leaders who can make a difference in the world. Um, people who are, who are able to um, or really effectively change stuff and and has been kind of a um, yeah, has been has been an inspiration for for many for many other educations. At some point um, there were some people in the Netherlands who, who found out about, about Chaos Pilots and wanted to bring it to the Netherlands. So they founded Chaos Pilots Rotterdam, which existed for two years. And at some point, um, there were some misunderstandings and the, the school in Rotterdam, they needed, to, they needed to close or they decided to close. So as Chaos Pilots is a three-year program, um, at the moment where they closed, they had two groups of students, two teams of students, one that had already gone through two years of the program, one that had just recently started, and and a bunch of people um, that worked there who were extremely inspired by the work that they were doing. I mean, they were educators who who finally found an education that that brings the best out of people, and and they had to close their school. Um, so so some of the students went to Denmark to finish their studies. Some went about their own stuff, 
And a year later, after they closed, they they sat together and they were thinking, okay, what do we do now? Because we do want to create an education here in the Netherlands that that really enables people to to do the best that they can for the world and for themselves. But we don't have the school anymore. They they sat together and 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 they realized that some of they wanted to to change some of the stuff that they found in Chaos Pilots. One was that this program of three years is too long. They wanted a program that is shorter in a, in a world that moves faster. So they decided to create a one-year program. And they decided to create a program that was um, more flexible. So Chaos Pilots um, had something of a, of a curriculum. You could take some courses or the, there, was a, there was a plan when you could take which courses. And they decided that in case there's a student who wants to start his business in the first week, it has to be possible that this student takes a course in how to start a business in the first week um, if he needs it. Or if people need um, workshops in group dynamics, they need to be able to ask for them whenever they, they, are, they are needed. So they decided to start a one-year program without a curriculum, basically without a program. And that's where Nomad started. A one-year program without a curriculum. Exactly. And when you described Chaos Pilots, you were speaking in terms of leadership, and later you talked about starting a business. Uh, Harvard Business School in the United States has, you know, <laughs> has a lot of fame for helping people become leaders and start businesses. Uh, how did Chaos Pilots? Um, how did? How was it different from something like a traditional business school, like a Harvard Business School? Is, do they have a different conception of leadership? Yeah, I would I would say so. I've never been to Chaos Pilots, and I don't know the program enough. So I'm 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 afraid if somebody who is a Chaos Pilot listens to this, they they might they might say I'm wrong. Uh, well, let's just talk about no, nomads then. Uh, how, does nomads conceive of like business leadership or entrepreneurship? You think in a, in a different way than mm-hmm. uh, a traditional business school? Yeah, we we do call ourselves a business school, and there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about it. Just recently, I. I had somebody asking me, like, why do you need to call this a business school? Um, and and it, the, the discussion is not, has not come to an end yet after, after five <laughs> years that Nomad exists. Um, so, yes, there's definitely a different conception of what, what leadership is and what, what business is. Um, and also there's an there's a idea of exploration. So instead of a, a business school might teach you this is how you do business, this is how it is correct. Um, you follow these models, um, you learn these ways of doing it, you learn these management uh, techniques um, and, and that's how you make a business plan and before you start a business you write your business plan, you make your financial planning for five years and, and that's how you, how you do it. Um, while Nomads tells you, well, you want to do something, go for it. You don't know how to do it, well, learn it. And if you have a question, let me know and, and I can help you. So nomads won't teach you anything until you ask for it. So the, mm-hmm. Interesting. That's, so it's a very learning by doing model, but it also represents, uh, it's, it's similar to an organization called the Sudbury Valley School here, yeah. which is a K-12 through free school where the, the principal for the staff at the school is we don't help any kids do anything until they, they come up and they ask for it and they really want it. And otherwise, we just let them be free. We provide resources. We provide you know, logistical support as needed. 
Um, but otherwise, they're pretty much doing their own thing. They're designing their own curriculum. Uh, and, and we're here only if, if they really d- want our intervention. Does that sound like a, the nomads model? Exactly. If people, if people know, know primary education better than, than, than the kind of education that nomads is, then I usually explain nomads as a Sudbury Valley or a democratic school for adults. I love it. It's, it's the free school, the business school, free school. And it's democratic too. So so we'll get into what Nomads is and what actually happens there uh, in more depth. But first, I want to know, why are you creating a a new Nomads, uh, one in Sevilla, Spain? Mm. Because when I I got to know Nomads through a coincidence, a friend of mine asked me if I wanted to join her for a weekend trip to Amsterdam, and I said, yes, sure. Uh, I mean, I had nothing to do, and she, and she was going to take, take me to a trip to Amsterdam. So. And on the way, she told me that she, one of the reasons why she was going was because she wanted to check out this business school. And, and she told me that probably I, did, I wouldn't want to come because I wasn't interested in studying business, but uh, it looked kind of different, and I might want to, be go, I might want to go. So finally, I decided to join. And I walked in. And and there was something in this energy, something in these people there. That was like wow, uh, like I, I I I walked in without any interest, and the moment that I started talking with someone, I was like wow, whoa, 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 something is happening here that's different. And and what I figured out is that this is the kind of people that I want our world to be full of, like people that are alive, people that are happy. People that are looking for their happiness and that they they are actively um, looking for their happiness, they're not waiting for someone to make them happy. People that want to make a positive difference in the world, they 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 go and look for something they can they can they can bring, and so that's what I what I saw in the first moment, and I got more of that throughout the whole year that I was there, and after I finished, I was like, okay, so what do I do now, and what's I asked myself, what's, what's the best thing I've seen so far? What do I want to create more of? I was like, obviously, Nomads. That's the best, the best thing I've, I've ever seen anywhere. Um, so I want to create more of it. And I'm not Spanish, um, but I lived in, in Spain, in the south of Spain. And, and for those that don't know, Spain is in a, in a place of, of really bad crisis, economical um, and, and social crisis. And so what I was curious is, Nomads is about making a difference. And so I was curious, what can, what difference can nomads bring in in a place that that is in crisis, that is in, in difficulty? So Spain was your destination because it just was the right time in history. You think to to try this nomads experiment out? Mm, I think so. I think you, so. Ad- additional to to me really wanting to be there, I want to live in Spain. You love the sun, I assume. I love the sun, I love the people, I love the language, I love the culture. And take us back a little bit um, further. Where did your education begin? And tell us where you're from and, and how old you are. Give us some context. I'm, I'm 23 now. Um, I, to say where I'm from is a bit complicated. My, my mother's Austrian, my father's Israeli. Uh, I grew up in Germany. Um, I went to school in Germany. I went to to a normal, you, you could say, traditional education, um, private uh, Christian uh, high school, 
um, pretty difficult time for me. I I I was usually identified as as the rebel in in my in my class, and and for me it was really difficult to finish this time in in high school. Um, the the idea of a teacher deciding for me when I could go where and what I could say, when I could say something, and how I could say something to them, and most of all the the idea of um, of them for me abusing their authority. So um, I, w I was told a lot that I sh I was supposed to show respect to towards my teachers. Um, and what confused me so much was that I didn't receive much respect from my teachers. Um, so I was told in a very unrespectful way that I was supposed to show respect and 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 that confused me. I was I was brought up in 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 a family where where kind of mutual respect was something very normal, and that there there were no different rules for adults than for kids. Actually, I was brought up in a family where there was basically no rules except like if if somebody wanted something from me or from from my brother and sister, then they would ask. You know, they would explain us what we what they wanted us to do and why they wanted us to do that. There were no rules, as in I am an adult. I tell you, you have to do this. Um, so going to school was first of all very confusing, then very disappointing, and at some point it was a bit like, and that sounds a bit exaggerated, but a bit like psychological torture. Um, because I couldn't get up when I want to get up, I couldn't say what I really wanted to say, I couldn't defend myself when I wanted to. And I, for for many years, I I spent I spent time kind of fighting my teachers and my teachers fighting me. Like I had quite some teachers who who actively and 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 having expressed it to me as well, tried to get me like kick me out of the school. Um, and so that was that was education as I knew it. That was schooling as I knew it. And so I was I was pretty upset about that. And I left this and knew I did not want to go back into education. So I also was very, very hesitant to, to go into university because I expected this to go on, people knowing what was right for me and what was wrong for me. I, I took a year off after, after high school. I, I, got my, I got my, what do you call it, my diploma from, from high school, and three days later I was in a plane to Israel. I was there for a while, I was in Egypt, I was in Turkey, I was in Spain, I was in South America. And then a year later, um, there was the point of like, so kind of you know, you can take a year off for, for traveling. That's, that's something of a of a normal thing for for a German young person. Um, but then at some point you have to you have to get into university like everyone else. And I was lucky enough to just a week before I would have had to apply. I found Nomads, and oh, wow. having, <laughs> having having seen that school, it was like I'm 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 not going anywhere else. And then this. And you signed up on the spot for Nomads Amsterdam. I did, yeah. And can you share uh, maybe a story or two to tell us what being a, a Nomads student was like? Mm -hmm. Maybe something that really stands out in your memory as as representative of this experience. Well, there's there's many, and it's really difficult to to find one that that would represent it because there's there's like there's so many different moments and like the experience is very diverse. 
So I try, I try, I try two two experiences that are, yeah. So the like a couple of days after after I started my my year at Nomads. Um, at, at Nomads, the the idea is that people learn doing. Um, instead of like, there's no textbooks, ex textbook examples. Like one of the ideas would be that they, we have enough problems in the world already. We don't need to invent them. So instead of taking problems or situations to solve from textbook, somebody from outside would come in and bring in their their situation. So a couple of of days after we started, we had an assignment brought in from a big uh, networking event in Amsterdam called Picnic. And the guy who coordinates picnic um, came in, explained the, the the event, and he said he didn't want net picnic to be like any other networking event. So basically, he he asked us to participate and bring in some different stuff. And we looked at him like, okay, so what what do you want from us? And he said, well, basically anything. Um, do something that confuses people that. Uh, that makes people talk about how weird this was. Um, do basically do anything to disrupt the the normalness of the event, um, which in itself was 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 a fun assignment. And so so we started thinking and brainstorming with him what we could do. At some point, he said, "Look, guys, this is Amsterdam. Naked is an option." <laughs> uh, so because because he found that our our ideas were were a bit too tame. Um, a bit too too normal, um, so that's the kind of people that are in the in the network of of nomads. Like like um, we do we do a really high class uh, networking event, but we bring in completely disruptive. Like they, they, he he would have accepted us running around naked on the event just to disrupt the whole thing. Which in Amsterdam, by the way, is not as weird as it is in in the US, I guess. <laughs> Um, and, and that so was one. What did you create for for picnic? I, I wasn't there. I, I finally didn't didn't participate in the in the actual ah. event. Um, I remember people walking around in animal costumes. I remember people being being not allowed to buy an espresso for themselves, only for someone else. So people would have to stand in line together, basically, to get a coffee. Um, I don't. I don't remember the the whole thing, but there were there were there was all kinds of of fun fun interventions there. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound like the kind of case study you would learn about at Harvard Business School. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that that's an example of how Nomads is a bit different than a normal business school. Um, and another situation. Um, at Nomads, you spend you spend a lot of time in in a group in we call it a tribe. So your class, you the, the you start you start your year in a group, and and we call that a tribe. We call that a tribe because um, there's a lot of the the personal development that happens in the year um, is being is being held by the tribe. So the 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 people that that you spend your year with, um, they're very close to you. They know you very well, and they can reflect you very well. How many and people are there in a tribe, roughly? Depends a lot. We had everything between two and twenty. Um, oh. Now, now there's the first group of twenty. Um, the second tribe was two. Usually, it's somewhere between, I would say, eight and thirteen. But that, it really depends every every half a year. Um, in my year, we were fifteen. 
So as you can imagine, if you're 15 people and you spend one year together, you spend a lot of time together, you work together, you learn together, there's a lot of conflicts. And also the, the personalities, the, the characters that, that are enormous are very, are very it's, it's, a, it's a wide range. So at some point we had a, we had a bit of a, of a tough time and we were all a bit distant from each other. And one of the one of the founders of Nomads, Sila, um, came and we had a session with her. She works a lot with with groups and with personal development. And there was one of us that didn't want to join because because we had this fight in the group. And so she went out and asked him to 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 join. And he came in reluctantly and he sat down and um, she asked him to to say why 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 he wouldn't be there. And he said he's afraid that if he now if he now started to to talk, um, he would be judged by us because we were already in this in this tricky situation. And so Sila asked him, um, "Look, do you want to know um, if people if people want you to be here?" And he thought about it for a while because he was he was kind of feeling attacked and. He said, "Yes, I actually really want to know why 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 people would want me to be here." And so what Sila did was she she made a round. She she had us go around in the in the circle. Each one of us share why we love this person, why we loved him so much, and why we loved that he was a part of our tribe. And and imagine there are fourteen people that know you almost better than your family. Um, sharing why they love you so much in a situation where you believe um, you have a fight. And so that was about 45 minutes and all of us were crying at the end of it. And then Sita said, okay, so now let's do this for each one of us. So after finishing that one that was really intense, we spent another eight hours um, only talking about why we love the one person whose turn it was at that moment. Eight hours? So eight hours in a circle. It's only, only saying, only, only, only speaking appreciation. Um, it, it blows your mind. Um, you, you, in, in some way, you, you get crazy because, because you want to move, you want to get out. Um, but on the other hand, it's so incredibly beautiful that we were all really afraid to receive the appreciation. Like, Imagine the people that know you the best in the world um, spend five minutes talking about why they love you so much. Um, crazy, crazy experience. That sounds like an experience that happens at Not Back to School Camp, the summer camp for teenage unschoolers where I work. And it happens in the context of a group of about 10 campers plus one staffer like myself. And it's after we've known each other for only one week or two weeks, but we do an appreciation circle where each person gets um, you know, positive appreciation for maybe three or four minutes each. And it's an incredibly powerful experience. And so I can only imagine what it's like being part of a group of approximately 10 people for a year and working intensively with them, you know, eight hours a day. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, this leads into, I think, the eternal question that you've told me for nomads, which is what is nomads. And I've visited nomads Amsterdam back in early 2014, which is where I met you. 
And I got to spend a few weeks um, hanging around the area because Nomads Amsterdam has a co-working space attached to um, the space where the tribe members work. And so I had this impression that Nomads was roughly one-third entrepreneurship training program because you did, you did have these assignments like the, the picnic example where, where you're actually working with other businesses and you're creating stuff and you're getting paid for it. And then it seemed like it was one big part self-discovery camp uh, in that there was a lot of self-reflection and self-knowledge and that was a big focus of, of, of the whole program. But it wasn't assuming that you know who you are, but you were figuring out who you are throughout the year. And then the last third seemed to be like a, a big group like adventure program. Um, I, I know that there's a, a wilderness retreat aspect um, to the Nomads program. And I was, I was there when one of the, the tribes went away for this wilderness retreat, which I hope you'll tell me a little bit more about. But is that impression correct, that it's like part entrepreneurship program, part self-discovery, and part adventure? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good description. Um, yeah, there's... There's definitely the part of, of entrepreneurship, um, and the part of entrepreneurship does not necessarily have to be about business. It doesn't mean you have to start a business, you have to, to run a startup or something. It, it, it's more about taking initiative. Um, so it's more about being entrepreneurial than being an entrepreneur. So um, if like in my case, um, starting a school is not exactly starting a business, um, but it's about taking initiative. Or if someone feels very strongly about an environmental situation or about a social thing, um, it's about taking initiative. Or in Nomads a lot, like the entrepreneurial stuff in Nomads also comes in because Nomads per se doesn't have a structure. It doesn't have, um, it doesn't have rules. Um, <laughs> One of the things I, I tend to say about Nomads is in, in the five years of its existence, um, there hasn't been a decision taken on how we take decisions. <laughs> so as a group, as a community, as all the students that are there, um, there's no central body that can take decisions. So everything depends on whether or not you do it. So if I believe that there should be more plants in the building, which was my big thing in the year, um, I believe there should be more plants in the building and for two months I've been complaining that the, the place looked so great and then eventually I figured out that if I want more plants to be there I have to put more plants into the building. Um, so Nomads is entrepreneurial also in the sense that you won't be, people won't do stuff for you. You don't have your mom being there doing what you want in, to say it in some way and you have to, you have to take action. So it's entrepreneurial in the business sense if you want to, it's entrepreneurial in, in the sense of you can t take initiative in the world, but it's also entrepreneurial in the sense that you have to take action else you won't learn anything at Nomads. What happens when all the plants that you brought in start to die and decay and, and smell and, and you decide you no longer want to, to deal with the plants because now they're, they're not beautiful, they're just messy? Um, is there any sort of structure at Nomads to hold people accountable when uh, they're not taking responsibility? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as you can imagine, this is one of the topics that is um, discussed a lot. Like there was there was a, the, the the time when when 
I, I put plants everywhere in the building and everything was green and everybody was happy about how green it was. And then I went away for a week and I came back and all the plants were dead. And I was super mad. And, and people were very sorry for me, but at some point somebody told me like, Ivo, um, we assumed that since you were the one who put all the plants here, you also had a plan for what you do when you are on vacations and that you told someone to do it and you didn't. But you also missed to tell someone, you know, to take care of it. So I naturally assume that the other people will will care about the same stuff that I care about. And they don't. And it turns out to be the same way in life in general. Um, I really care deeply about some stuff and the rest of the world maybe doesn't. So I had need to need to do something. Um, so nomads has a culture of telling you to clean up your own mess. Yeah. And if you if if other people don't don't clean up the mess and you are the first one to get annoyed about it, then you have to do something about it. Tell me about the wilderness retreat. I, I know there's a name for it that I'm forgetting, but uh, I, that quest. felt nature quest. That I remember that was a very compelling idea when I heard about it. So tell us a little bit about that. The nature quest is something being brought in. I think since the fourth tribe or something like that, so since the second year more or less, or the third year, um, by um, the the guy who founded Chaos Pilots Rotterdam, so the predecessor of Nomads, um, who after Chaos Pilots um, asked himself, okay, so I started this school, but what, what happens now? Um, and he went to the US to learn at a school called the School of Lost Borders, um, and they do these wilderness retreats called Nature Quest or Vision Quest. And that's a ritual um, taken or adopted, adapted from from many indigenous cultures and I guess many uh, Native American cultures, um, where a young person um, at a certain point has to go out of the community to come back to the community. So you're not a full part of of the community until. Um, you have left and then decided to come back. So this this ritual can take lots of forms. The way that we do it is it's a ten day it's a ten day process where the full the whole tribe they go to to a place where in nature. They spend three days in preparation and they spend three days outside in nature, each one by themselves. During these three days um the people fast, they don't eat anything, they only have water with them, um, they only have a tarp with them, only a plastic, uh, I don't know how you would call it, like, like a piece of plastic to guard them from the, from the rain and the sun. And they have nothing more with them, only water and the tarp, and spend three days outside. Um, three days and nights. And have time to meditate and to ask themselves, who was I up until now? Who, who, who do I? What do I identify with? Um, and why? And what's the history of all of this? Um, and during the preparation, you get a lot of help in in asking yourself these questions. And then you you have time to decide. Okay, so this is who I was, and this is why I am who I am right now, and. Who am I going to become? Um, who who do I choose to be? 
So this is also why why partly why it's called the vision quest is what's the vision of myself um, that that of who, what's the vision of of my future self? Who do I want to become and what do I want to do? And it was it was during this nature quest that that we did in in Slovenia in the mountains in Slovenia uh, that I actually decided that I wanted to start nomads in Sevilla and or nomads in Spain and and and. The good thing is it's it's such a it's such a strong ritual because you're you're out there you're all alone and and you take these these big decisions about your life and they have a lot of that it's very powerful it's a very powerful powerful way to to look at your life and to decide for your life i well first of all they definitely don't do that at harvard business school and <laughs> yeah, exactly. second of all i i love it because if the focus of entrepreneurship or starting a business is on connecting something that you are passionate about, something you want to change in the world, something you want to contribute um, to something that is also um, profitable, then we pay so much attention to the profitable part and so little attention to the the, the figure the connecting with yourself part, the figuring out what your your core values and motivations are, and um, something like this nature quest seems like like. It seems so obvious once you state that this is part of a an entrepreneurial um, training program, but mm. it's, um, it's I, I, yeah, it is unusual. It's still very foreign. The idea of, of doing that is so foreign to many people. Yeah. Um, yes. It's, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let's talk about who joins nomads briefly. Uh, typically, how old is a nomad? And you can talk about nomads Amsterdam in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 all all the answers about typical are very difficult at nomads, and and um, they have to they have to be be given to to get some kind of image. But it can be very different in each case. So, in case you're you're considering to start nomads, please do not take these typical answers as <laughs> as restrictions or anything. So, a typical typical age would be twenty to thirty five. Um, we have had people younger than 20 and older than 35, but uh, typically people are somewhere between there and I think um, even more to, to limit it more between 25 and 30, I think is even more typical. Um, have you had any minors join? Anyone, um, you know, like a teenager? I think the youngest that we had applying was 17, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the recommendation to him was um, go out into the world, make some experiences, and then come back next year, um, which is what he did. So we're really looking at the, the university age and the, the post-university, um, maybe the, the decade plus um, you know, post-university typical age. Yeah. What's the oldest person who's ever joined Nomads? Cool. I'm not absolutely sure. Um, I would I would guess somewhere around 36, 37, um, not much older. And where do nomads typically come from? Do they come from many different countries? Mm. Funny enough, majority Germans. I don't know why. Huh. Uh, it's always about the half of the half of the tribes are Germans, and Germany is is the neighboring country to to the Netherlands, so there's some something there. Of course, many Dutch people, um, because because it's in the Netherlands, and then kind of everything everything from there is, is possible. Yeah, so people come from from 
many different places. Of course, the majority is is European because it's much easier um, for the visa. And but apart from that, we have we have had people from from almost everywhere. So a few a few Asians, Korean Korean Chinese, um, one Mongolian, um, a few South Americans, a few Northern Americans, very few Africans. We have had no nobody. Um, Muslim up until now, for example, we have now had the first Spanish person. Um, we have had no French people. Um, like there, it's it's strange that some 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 countries are are more present than others. But uh, I would say the majority is German, Dutch, then European, then the rest of the world. And I'm sure this question has a variety of answers, also. But what does it cost to go to nomads? Well, now this this is the one that has a kind of a clear answer: six thousand oh. euro for one year. Six thousand euros. That is a bargain. Plus, you pay your own living expenses. Yeah, which in Amsterdam is is quite a bit. And what happens to nomads alumni? Where do they typically go if there is a typical destination? Um, you know. Certain fields, certain careers, or do they just scatter into the wind and go every direction? Yeah, I think I think more like every direction. Let's see what I can what I can find. Um, I would say I would say many um, start their own business or their own thing, whatever it is. Um, there's quite a few successful nomads uh, businesses running. And many of them, well, some of them stay in Amsterdam. Many of them go back to their country or go on to another country. A few go to university, which I also think is interesting. Um, like figure out, okay, now I did nomads. Now I know what I'm interested in, and now I'm going for this. Um, and there are a few nomads in big companies. Um, the the usual thing that people ask about nomads is, okay, I uh, one of the things we haven't mentioned, nomad doesn't have a diploma uh, as it's not an accredited um, university, and we also don't don't give a don't give like we don't want to give a diploma. There, there there's a, an ongoing joke when I when I started nomads, I asked Peter, the the founder of Nomads Amsterdam. Um, what kind of diploma his school is going to give me. And he said, no, 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 you're not going to get a diploma, uh, but uh, you can get a tattoo in the end if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> and did you? So, yeah, at our graduation party, we had a tattoo artist. So everybody that wanted to could have a tattoo. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so instead of a, of a graduation, you, you, you take your graduation with you, uh, your, your diploma. <laughs> and... Yeah, so so people people go kind of kind of go in, in all directions. There's many people in in education, of course, because nomads is such an such an such a new education that um, people are uh, well, they, they they meet a lot of uh, new innovative um, new educators. What's been challenging for you about starting this new program in Spain? Uh, um. Well, kind of this difficulty in explaining what it is. Um, if I could come to Spain and say, okay, so I'm building this school that has this program 
um, you get these these workshops or you get training in this. In the end, you get a diploma that serves you this. Um, and in the end, you get these jobs. That would be fun. No, it actually wouldn't be fun, but it would be nice for a change. Um, what I what I have is is um, okay. So I have a program that in Amsterdam looks like this. While it's difficult to say how exactly it looks because it looks different for every person who goes there. Um, and here in Spain, again, it might look different completely. Um, and um, well, that's 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 what I'm trying to build. People look at me like, hey, what? Um, additional to that, in Spain, you have people. People have been have been told for a long time that it's very very important for young people to get diplomas, to get to get graduate, to get uh, how do you call it, like titles. Um, so it's you go to university, you get a bachelor's degree, then you get a master's degree, then you get a mother, another master's degree, and maybe another one. Um, and people are told that this is really important. So I'm telling them I'm building up a school that has no diploma. They look at me like, what? Why? Um, so the basically the the fact that that it breaks with so many with so many paradigms um, in one in one way makes it really difficult, and and on the other hand makes it really easy because people are way more interested. In like they hmm. they ask the question of what why or what are you doing and they 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 become curious if it was just another university program it would be like well okay they're making a university program. I remember uh, after I visited Amsterdam last year, I went to Spain to visit a summer camp friend for a week, and she's in college right now. And I, when I was explaining some of my ideas to her, it it really took her back, and she said, "We don't do anything like that here in Spain." That you know, I can imagine you're facing the same dif difficulties somebody would if they tried to open a like a Sudbury style free school, in uh, really bucking the norms. Um, I, even in in Amsterdam, it was you know th there was resistance to those sorts of ideas. And homeschooling and unschooling, I remember, had just started to make a, they just started to crack into the the popular culture there. And mm. and Amsterdam being such a forward thinking place um, yeah it's I, I can imagine Spain is difficult for you yeah mm. and in Spain you have um, an additional difficulty mm. the, the Spain has been a, in a dictatorship for a long time and until relatively recently until like 30 years ago so a very conservative right-wing um, um, like that that's that's what it was in for a long time, so and it was very isolated from the rest of the world. So this thing that your friend said about we don't do anything like this here in Spain is something that is very typical for people to say. It's like, well, here in Spain we don't we don't do that kind of stuff, you know, all that all that innovative mm, new stuff that you have in the north of Europe or in the U.S. Maybe here in Spain we don't do that. So. And again, on on one side that is really positive for me, and on one side that makes it difficult, because people are not used to it, so they don't look for it. But on the other hand, there is a young generation of people who say, "Fuck, sorry, um, nowhere like I, I can't find anything new in this country. Like all the all the innovative, super cool stuff, I have to go to Northern Europe. 
I can't find anything like this in my country. So if I tell them, hey, there is something like this in your country, they're like, oh, this is interesting. Last question, Ivo. Outside of nomads, what is the most powerful education experience you've ever had? I think, I don't know if it counts exactly as, as outside of nomads, because it was during my time at nomads. But at some point, um, we have, we have a, uh, a format at nomads called the what the fuck lectures. So instead of lectures, you have what the fuck lectures, where somebody comes in, um, and the main goal, ah, Blake, you, you, you held one, I remember. Um, the main goal is for at least half the people to walk out with a different view on the world or on the thing that was being presented than, than, than they had before. Um, and we had a what the fuck lecture of um, uh, two guys, a Palestinian and an Israeli, um, who run an organization that brings together Israelis and Palestinians and internationals to have conversations. And since my father is from Israel, um, I thought that I knew a bit about this whole conflict. And in my eyes, Israelis and Palestinians don't talk. That's what I knew. I, I, as far as I was aware, they fight each other. So they had their, their, their lecture. And afterwards, I walked to them and was like, oh, how, how is this possible? They said, well, we have um, one meeting coming up in, in a month if you want to come. So, so me and a couple of, of other people from my tribe, we flew to, to Palestine and participated there. Um, and, and that was, was, a, was a crazy, crazy, crazy experience for me to see the, um, first of all, the, the meeting was held, it was a weekend, um, three days. The meeting was held in Arab, in Hebrew and in English. So everything was translated, doubled. And there were people who saw the other people in the circle as enemies, and still they had come to talk. So basically they had grown up with that image of the one on the other side of the border as the enemy that you have to kill. And then there was the offer of, of having this conversation space. And they came to talk, even though they, they hated the other one. And and there was there was there were beautiful moments. There were disturbing moments. There were all kinds of all kinds of um, very, very impressive situations where enemies had a conversation. And me being European, not having grown up in war, not knowing war, um, being able to witness that was incredibly um, touching. Incredibly, yeah, impressive. My guest today has been Evo Dagan. Thank you, Evo, for being on the show. Thank you, Blake. This is the Real Education Podcast. This show is produced with the assistance of Zen Zenith, who also created the music. For more episodes, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.